Well, hello and welcome to, to Rhythms, Rhythms of, of Grace. Grace. <laughs> oh, I'm man. Christine. Oh, no. And I'm here with Nate. <laughs> here I am. And Sung. Hey, hey. <laughs> I feel like my ship has been commandeered. Oh, shoot. It's a mutiny. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so welcome, oh, you guys. Oh, man. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I always start with the exact same way. With the same tone. <laughs> they Hello. nailed it. They really, man. All right. So what are we talking about this week? Well, we're talking the last of the seven different types of rest. Mm. We've talked about... Emotional, physical, creative, social, uh, mental, I mean, all sorts of, and, and it's really helpful. And if you haven't listened to some of the previous podcasts, uh, there's there's a quiz you could take. What's the, the website? Uh, restquiz.com. Yeah, it, it's it's been really helpful uh, for my journey in terms of rest and work, um, which usually work w- w- wins out. And mm-hmm. so in, in that journey, it's been really helpful. And the last uh, of the types of rest is one that uh, I, I think for me, uh, I felt very little need for rest in this area, uh, but it, it was spiritual rest. Yeah. And what does spiritual rest look like? I, I, I think, I, let me describe what spiritual unrest looks like. Mm. I think spiritual unrest means that uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have uh, this continual deep doubt about God's goodness in your life. Mm. You're constantly thinking about past mistakes or, or you still have this image of God of like this capricious, angry God. Maybe it's a projection of uh, some earthly parental figure or whatever. And so you don't feel safe Mm. with God. Like, it's almost like he's, uh, you don't go to him because he's kind of scary and unpredictable. Mm. And, uh, I I think this also goes to just even non-Christians or people of other, uh, or just, yeah, non-Christians who you might feel like, and this might, this may be true of Christians as well too, but you feel like you don't have a purpose in life. Yeah. You're lacking meaning, uh, like a deeper meaning. You feel numb or apathetic or defeated and you just feel kind of trapped in life. Like you don't know, like you, uh, the, the, the big questions of life, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just kind of, you know, uh, lost in space, if you will. And so, so then you, you could talk about emotional rest or physical rest or creative rest, but this goes like deep down in the mm-hmm. bones of your soul. Yeah. Like you could have all those other types of rest, but if you don't have like a, a life purpose and a deeper mm-hmm. meaning, you don't have like a spiritual home or sanctuary, um, where this place, uh, you know, that we would call God, uh, the person of God and your relationship with him. If this place is not a place of protection and mm-hmm. peace, uh, you're not going to experience a lot of spiritual rest. Mm-hmm. I had a friend uh, in college. I was, he was more of an acquaintance, acquaintance that I rode the bus with who uh, he got his master's degree. And he said that the, the moment that he sort of got his degree was so profound that he just kept getting degrees. Mm. And and literally when I look back at that, I'm like, that's just someone who doesn't have anything bigger than themselves Mm. to sort of give their life meaning besides like another degree. Like a a sense of achievement. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I, for me, I think that that can also be a sign of 
spiritual fatigue or Mm -hmm. where it's sort of like you don't have a sense of anything larger than yourself. And so sort of are just filling it with why maybe this, maybe this is close. Like maybe this is close and you find yourself sort of chasing your tail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Two other areas or groups of people that they may experience, let's say high levels of spiritual exhaustion. One might be uh, you've gone through some big uh, tragedy and you're like, where is God? Mm. Where is God when I'm hurting? Um, and uh, so that that could be a whole other area of like you feel you feel a prolonged sense of God's absence, God's indifference towards you. Um, maybe this goes back to like you doubt God's good intent uh, for your life. Mm. Uh, life seems confusing. If God is real, then how does He fit into this equation of my life? Um, and if you've gone through that or you're right in the midst of that, you, you may feel a, a very strong sense of spiritual restlessness. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to find a home. And um, at the same time, it could be people who, are, who have gone through what I would call spiritual trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe at the hands of a local church leader or local church. Uh, and, and those stories are widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, um, but uh, and so you're angry towards God, maybe angry towards the church. It, you feel because of that, you you feel maybe disconnected from God. Any of these things, circumstantial or uh, things that have happened, can, can, I think can affect and um, influence your level of spiritual rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also wonder if, um, like, in, in addition to those categories, if people who um, maybe, like, haven't gone through any of those things and who mm-hmm. have just felt like when you just feel adrift, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? When it's, like, no highs and no lows, you're just drifting. Because um, that I think that can also make make you question like what is the meaning and purpose of life um when there is no mountain to climb or battle to fight um what why are we here and that that question i think alone can be spiritually exhausting Mm -hmm. yeah so i would say religion is spiritually exhausting yeah yeah right the duties and and the the all the ins and outs of what we call religion is very exhausting, which is very different from ha- having uh, like an encounter and a relationship with God um, and growing to know him more and love him more. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's very different. Yeah. In all of our previous conversations, we've talked about the healthy way of both resting from and resting in. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... I wonder about resting from spirituality because I think even in our previous conversations, even if something is good, we've still described the need to rest from, Mm. let's say we're talking mental. It's good to be a problem solver and think you, you, you have the need to rest from that. (coughs) So if we talk about spiritual, like resting from spiritual like is it the same are there Mm. good things that you still need to rest from in order to be spiritually healthy and well rested i i would argue that uh there are in the same way that um it's like creative rest from and and in it's like Uh, when you're trying to like just output, 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 you have to rest in time that is that like creative 
things that are meaningless, right? Like you have to just Mm -hmm. be willing to just play in order to get that creative rest. And I, I think a lot of times religion is spiritually exhausting because we're trying to do for God. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think, and, and this is, yeah, for, for people who are just outputting spirituality, Mm -hmm. I think just for me, when I am spiritually tired, I'm like, Oh, I, I haven't just spent time that's not productive with God like meditating on his truths that that aren't going to be going into a sermon or aren't part of a Bible study that I'm part of where I like have to have something cool to say. Like I just need to like read his Bible to be with him Hmm. or I just need to be quiet with God. Um, And it feels unproductive. Um, But I think for me, that's, it's like resting from productive time with God, quote, quote, um, to just be unproductive. Interesting. Yeah, I can, I, as you were saying that I I remembered, I was at a, I was at a a wedding, a wedding mass recently and, um, it was, I mean, as masses are, it's very liturgical. There's a lot Mm. of back and forth, but there were moments in it where I was like, I can either try really hard to like say what I'm supposed to say right now, (laughs) or I can just sit here and sort of be a non-productive participant Mm -hmm. and really found it to be profoundly restful Mm. um, in terms of being really sort of like carried by the work of the people around me that sort of knew what to say and when to say it and when to genuflect. I mean, I, you know, all of those things. And uh, so, yeah, I can see how I was resting from Mm -hmm. um, what maybe should have been done. And in doing so found a a healthy Mm -hmm. way to engage or a restful way to engage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's also resting from, well, I, I would say whether it's lack of belief or feeling disconnected with God, there is this underlying restlessness behind, uh, underneath all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so finding spiritual rest means that like oftentimes we're trying to find salvation in mm-hmm. something other than God. Mm-hmm. I, I was having a conversation earlier today with somebody and we we're talking about how politics is like this is like uh, the religion of America today, yeah. because that's where we find salvation. Yeah. And so it, it's more like uh, you're, you're, you're feeling this restlessness because, and what you need is a uh, rest from some of these other things that you think you are finding salvation in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea of, you know, our hearts are restless St. Augustine until they find its rest in you. Mm-hmm. As if there, there's a, there's a, a sense of being, a sense of contentment, and a sense of uh, um, stillness when it's when our hearts find its its rest in God. But anything outside of that, our hearts are going to be restless. Mm-hmm. So whether that's religion, politics, I would even say family and friend, all, mm-hmm. all those things, yeah. you will always feel restless until you f- you place your ultimate rest in him what does that look like <laughs> that, that's so hard right yeah. but but um I, I i think that's maybe another aspect of how do you rest from it is spiritually we often f- um look for uh you know it, it could even be like people who are like um i don't know what you call them like you know some people might find their their rest in 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 the bible Mm-hmm. Well, that's different from finding their rest in God, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Or uh, th- things like that. And so even, uh, again, religion done out of duty can be, and, and I will say this too, uh, there are times, uh, you know, for example, 
through college, <laughs> I went to a church and it was uh, pretty legalistic. At the same time, it was very formational for me. And there's a time where, like, I, I mean, both out of desire, but out of a strong sense of duty, I read scripture just like all the time. Mm. And I remember there was a season in seminary where I, I gave myself permission to like not read the Bible every day, which again, in college, I would have been like, what? Yeah. You know, because I remember my seminary professor was saying that he's, and, and I remember first, because he said, yeah, I, I don't read the Bible every day. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you're my favorite seminary <laughs> professor. Right. Right. right? And, and then he explained it this way. He's like, yeah, like it's a conversation between God and I. And there are times, you know, I'll be praying. But, you know, like there, there are stretches in my month when I'm taught his, his wife's name is Kim. When, I, you know, on a weekend, we'll, we'll spend three hours together. But then I have a really busy week and I won't talk to her for days. Mm. And he, just the way he was describing that relationship with his wife, he was saying, yeah, there are times when like, you know, and I grew up in this church where it was just like, oh, you, you had to have, you had to have your quiet time every day. Yeah. Right. And so again, there, there's a sense, depending on what you're coming from, like, not that you're completely released from that responsibility, but there might be a season where, um, you, in order to come back to, let's say God's word in a deeper way. Yeah. You need you need a season from that, but that doesn't mean you're not. But you're also receiving spiritual nourishment in other ways. Mm-hmm. And I, again, the important thing is uh, that it's a season away so that you can reengage in a deeper way, not mm-hmm. a season away so that you could keep moving away from. Which is exactly like we've talked about the other types of rest, like Christine, you just mentioned, like you, you creatively play in order to re-engage with creativity on Mm -hmm. a deeper level, or you, you know, mentally distract yourself so that you are rested in order to mentally engage Mm -hmm. more deeply. And, and it's really helpful to understand that the same dynamics are at play. Cause when we first started talking, it felt uh, heretical <laughs> to put it in that same category, yeah. but I can really see how that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I was looking at like one of the kind of uh, lists for getting spiritual rest. And um, <coughs> the list is uh, meditation, sp- spiritual practice and community. And I think that last one really stood out to me because mm. I'm thinking about some, in, especially in the first category uh, that you listed with um, people who are going through a really hard season or a, a season where it's hard to see God. Um, and I just know I've heard so many people who are close to me in my life say like, especially people who, who end up, you know, singing on stage. Just recently, one of my friends um, lost a loved one and the next Sunday was scheduled for worship and went up there and said, being there and surrounded with community, singing truths about God allowed me to worship in a way that, that was so deeply profound. Yeah. And um, I think that sometimes you're like, oh, but that's, that's religion. She was like making herself do that, but it can be, um, spiritual rest to engage in community, to remind ourselves and be reminded of the, the real meaning of life and, and the truths about God that, that we can lose sight of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of going back to your point, Nate, about kind of like, uh, um, resting from to, to re-engage, I, I, I do think, you know, because in previous seasons we've talked about like different spiritual practices and and I have a pretty uh, robust and maybe maybe some would think even rigid 
<laughs> uh, a routine or a rhythm. And, and there are times when I, I start to feel like it, it loses life, hmm. right? Because uh, I'm not a person of routine, but I, I, I instill a lot of routine in my life. And so there are times when I allow myself like, you know what? No, you don't need to do your daily office today. Or, or, or there's a day where I don't do my normal spiritual practice. And I feel a new, a different sense of new life um, and a freedom. Mm -hmm. But then also in that freedom, you know, and, and, and this is where you have to have your spiritual antennas up. That, that freedom can sometimes feel like, oh, yeah, now you're getting too lax. It's not it, like you're not exercising yeah. anymore. Yeah. But then when I reengage in my routines again, it, 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 again, it's so full of new life for mm. me. And so that, that's a, maybe a, a more recent example of like freedom from because, again, if you if you just continue on, it, it, it's legalism. Right. It's yeah. not a relationship. It's, right. it's not yeah. something you're delighting in. Right. It's just drudgery. Like, OK, Amy, let's let's have our kitchen talk. It's Monday. That's what we've got to do. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. you don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does require a tremendous amount of discernment. Um, and again, applying it, it, it's interesting that for me, it's actually so helpful to consider the other types of rest we've talked about to help sort of make it clearer to me. Mm -hmm. Because you're sort of talking about the difference if we talk about, when we were talking about physical rest, we talked a lot about exercise and how mm -hmm. your body actually needs this. It's the difference between saying, I'm tired, I'm going to take tomorrow off versus saying, I'm sort of, I'm not going to work out anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Like it's, right. it's yeah. really, it's the same sort of framework. Um, and only you know what's mm -hmm. happening inside your mind if it's the first step towards you know, McDonald's and being a couch potato, <laughs> or if really you are saying, Oh, my shoulder needs time to recover. I'm not going to exercise today. Yeah. yeah. And, and also that metaphor kind of translates to like people with very physical jobs and people with very, uh, non-physical jobs, both need just as much physical rest. It just mm. looks different. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for you as a pastor, spiritual rest mm. looks like, giving yourself, you know, permission to step away. And for people who are really, uh, came from really like rigid spiritual backgrounds need mm -hmm. that, that rest mm -hmm. from in, in a way that maybe people who are like, I just, I don't know what I believe. I don't know where my meaning of life is. Like, I think sometimes when you're in that season, it looks like, oh, I need to have an exercise yeah. regimen in my spiritual life. I need to have disciplines. Um, and I think, I think they're, they're, yeah. Both, both people need spiritual rest in yeah. very different ways. Yeah. Oh, I love that analogy. I love that yeah. analogy. Saying like, if you're, if you're, this isn't a criticism, but if you're like the spiritual equivalent equivalent of an office worker, yeah. like you, you, discipline might be what you need, yeah. you know, to mm -hmm. sort of engage. Um, uh, so if you're an office worker, you might need a physical workout plan. Mm -hmm. And if you're sort of in a same, the same sort of spiritual space where it's not really something that is easily or regularly available to you, yeah. you might actually need to discipline yourself to engage with it regularly, even daily mm -hmm. in order to experience the rest. That's good. That's a good analogy. Mm. I like that. Mm. I like that. One thing I'd like to throw in there, something I spoke about earlier is people who may have experienced uh, hurt and disappointment, spiritual trauma, um, like at the hands of a local church leader or local mm. church. I mean, cause that's pretty prevalent. I think all of us included, I'll speak for myself just cause I'm a pastor doesn't mean that the church hasn't hurt my family, mm. hurt me or, you know, other, and I would even say one of the occupational hazards of being a pastor is being hurt by the church. Mm. I mean, more so than the average churchgoer, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, fortunately for me, like, uh, well, so 
Um, well, one thing, because I talked to a lot of people where this has been, it, that this is the case, where like the church has, um, uh, you know, hurt somebody or disappointed somebody, and uh, um, and it's and without minimizing the hurt or without like invalidating that experience. I, I think the perspective to take is, you know, the, the people who have uh, caused the most hurt and disappointment in my life are the people who are exactly closest to me, mm-hmm. family and friends. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's where the most profound hurt has come. But that's also the very same circle where the most profound healing has come from as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, people on the outside, acquaintances, uh, they've not caused much hurt in my life, right? Mm-hmm. It's the people I actually care about mm-hmm. that has caused me the most pain. Um, and in my pain, you, I, I have one of two options. I could say, forget it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to cast you out. You've hurt me. Now, this is a very broad statement. I, and everybody's stories is very different and the nuance is going to be very different. I'm going to talk as a broad general principle. Uh, if you are one out there and you, you have high spiritual exhaustion, maybe because, man, you can't stand Christians, which we all get, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or the, the, you can't stand the church, which I understand it has a ton of warts and it has a really dark underbelly. Um, uh, so at the same time, um, you know, instead of uh, uh, at the same time, when, when people say, well, the, the church has hurt me. It's usually I'll say, well, who? Because mm. it's usually a, a, a person or persons. Yeah. Mm. It's not the entity called the church. Mm. Uh, I mean, that person may represent the entity called the church, but, but part of the healing, I think, is also kind of differentiating. Okay, yeah, this pastor or this elder said these words to my mother, and our family never went back to church again. Mm-hmm. You know, what or, or something like that. I think it's helpful just to say. Like, yeah, the institution and the person, persons are, are not perfect, but what's the, what, what, what's the pathway of healing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, oftentimes it's one of, I see one of two things. Oh, we've never been back to church because of that. Or kind of similar to your story of the, your friend who kind of was up on stage leading worship, uh, the, it may be in a different church or in a different set of relationships, a, a different leader or whatever, but some of the healing that I've seen people have from spiritual trauma in churches has come not in the, in the same church, but, but in, in that same context. And it takes time to regain the trust and, and to heal those wounds and, and things like that. I, I guess I'm just saying, like, whatever your pathway is... Um, not to give up on God mm-hmm. and his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I guess just speaking personally, I'm, I'm one of seven who grew up in a, in a Christian home, uh, and I am one of three who still go to church um, after growing up because of spiritual hurt, right? Yeah. And for a lot of my siblings, it was, uh, I, I uh, am pen pals with my sisters who, who wrote like, I still believe in a God, but I can't believe in the God that our dad showed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I remember just thinking like, oh man, that's, that's, 
hard that it is. It's like putting, you know, oh, this person represents the church and God himself. And so um, for me, yeah, really just like differentiating between um, what, what the Bible says about God and what, you know, people in our lives will show us about God. Because, yeah, we don't, we don't always represent the, ch- the church or God perfectly or well at all. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, yeah, for me, um, growing up in our church and um, even just in my kind of household, um, th- the reason that I have been able to find so much spiritual rest throughout my life is, uh, first of all, distinguishing those, um, but also seeing like, okay, uh, these were, you know, my experience was, uh, our family was like outcast kind of in our church. Um, I didn't have like a youth group that provided rest or safety or, or any sort of encouragement. Um, and so I was like until, until senior year of, of high school. So, you know, as an adult, I'm like, man, what does it look like to be the church? That's like, why am I a youth pastor? Because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And I would love to be the church for others. And I think sometimes um, that can be a source of spiritual rest is, is asking God, um, who are you and, and how am I uniquely positioned? Even through that spiritual um, discontent, how, how have you positioned me to serve and to be part of your story in the world? Yeah, I would say that's a big part of the drive too for me. I grew up, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And most of my life, especially my later teen, teen years, I, I hated church, hated because mm-hmm. I saw so much of the dark side, the underbelly and being a pastor's kid, you see so much. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then and um, in fact, so much so that m- when my dad, when he was like, hey, you know, like all Asian parents do, like, <laughs> you want to be a doctor? No. You want to be a lawyer? No. And at this point, my dad was a pastor and he said, oh, you want to be a pastor? I was, I I had such a visceral reaction. And and, and I said to my dad, you think I want to do what you do and get treated the way you do, like with all the politics and all the, all that, whatever. At the same time, uh, I I remember, I I remember reading a biography uh, of um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer when I was in, in seminary. And he said he Loved the church and hated the church. Hmm. He hated the church enough to want to, you know, to acknowledge all of all of its warts and to see it be better. But he couldn't leave the church because he loved the church. Mm-hmm. And so his dad was like, "Well, then reform the church, right?" Mm-hmm. And, and and for me, there is a strong sense of like, yeah, I've seen I've seen the ugly side of not just religion but church. And I am in no way perfect, but man, like whether it's gossip uh, and gossip that has torn down people and families and all this other stuff, politics and, and, you know, uh, that and not feeling like church was a place, a a spiritually safe place. Mm. And I I will say, I'm like, yeah, that that is kind of like you, Christine, like a part of um, not the, but a, a, a small mm-hmm. part of kind of like m- the motive mm-hmm. for like, I want to create that place where people um, belong mm-hmm. and they can like, you know, it, it's not this legalistic kind of duty bound, um, kind of shove it down your throat, unthinking kind of religion, mm-hmm. which is what I feel like I received um, or, or I, you know, I was a part of as a kid mm-hmm. um, because there's too much of that in the world, too much ungrace, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, this isn't. Uh, I, I remember uh, throughout my college years, one of my favorite, one of my favorite authors was Philip Yancey. And I remember one thing that he said, which was has stuck with me for so long. He said, he and he grew up in a very racist Southern church, mm. Baptist church. And he said he left the church because he couldn't find any grace there. Mm. And then he said he returned because he couldn't find it anywhere else. Mm. Oh, man. I, that, I feel like that's my story, too. Mm. Like, I, I hated the church. I, I, I didn't want anything to do with God because I have experienced so little of that, uh, uh, of the love and acceptance. and and uh, But then in the world... Yeah, it's it's not like I experienced that there either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I wonder if well, this is a this is a distinction that I've sort of been living into um, more and more that I have found to be helpful, which is that there is a difference. There's a significant amount of overlap, but there <laughs> is a difference between what we would say, especially in America, sort of like the organization of the church, mm-hmm. which is sort of required to be a 501c3 and if you're going to like have a thousand people every week that requires a tremendous amount of planning and infrastructure you know mm-hmm. all these things versus the the church which as the bible describes it is the the body of believers mm-hmm. and there's a tremendous amount of overlap between the two but i also know that while we often experience fatigue in the church it's like the organizational side and mm-hmm. where we often experience healing. It's as that is either facilitating or perhaps, you know, outside of that organizational structure, the, the body of believers that, mm-hmm. that bring us healing. And I, I, for me, the distinction is helpful because mm-hmm. you can say, when you say something like, um, you know, I didn't find any grace in the church. He was actually sort of talking about like this specific mm-hmm. body, right. uh, you know, this organization, there was no grace there because they were racists, etc. Versus, and then when he says, I couldn't find it anywhere else, he is sort of communicating a little bit more. He didn't go back to that mm-hmm. congregation. Right, right, right. right, right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I know that I have found it helpful to sort of, um, allow those two things to be distinct, Mm -hmm. even though they're, they're deeply, deeply interconnected Mm -hmm. uh, and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, basically, (laughs) you know? Yeah. 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 Um, So what does spiritual rest look like for that person? Well, great question, Christine. (laughs) Uh, You know, I've always been one who has been intrigued by all of the different ways that faith manifests itself, both across time and across the world. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what I, when I talk about sort of separating those two um, arenas of the organization of the church and the body of believers, there's a lot of ways that people express faith that, um, uh, that just I was never exposed to, mm-hmm. and some of them I found to be tremendously life giving. Yeah, you know, um, I I had no, and I think a lot of Protestants are are probably in this boat. They have no idea what a spiritual director is, mm-hmm. and yet in the Catholic faith, that has been sort of a like a standard way of engaging with God and community mm. for hundreds of years. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so those things exist out there. And sometimes if the, if the, if the organization of church or an organized faith or something like you said, if like you find religion exhausting, like understand that there are countless ways that people have chosen mm-hmm. to engage with God and create meaningful relationships with God and with each other that you might just not be aware of. Mm. And in the same way that we've talked about all the other kinds of rest, like find ways mm. That that might not be obvious at first, or that you might not have tried. Like find different ways to sort of live into it, and just see if it fits. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those things exist, and I think that we can get caught feeling like there's a full overlap between the organizational church that we were raised in, mm-hmm. or exist in, and the the mm-hmm. body of believers. Yeah. And um, I, I think that if we can allow ourselves to see those as a little bit distinct other opportunities mm-hmm. open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would even say too, is even some, uh, for those people who've grown up in a certain kind of tradition where it was really strict or legalistic. Um, I, I would even say that too, where the tendency might be to, uh, maybe the, the way that it was taught or embodied was not healthy, mm. but that, that doesn't mean you need to throw everything the bit the baby out with the bathwater yeah. as well too yep. right because that's true with any good thing mm. like uh i think a lot of us could say yeah like what a healthy family unit or parents uh you that you don't yeah. just go well screw all parents right you all, don't, right parenting is nobody should parent right, <laughs> right. well no no because yeah. every parent will yeah. exp- like express some sort of dysfunction in some sort of unique way and if you grew up in that kind of church like like i i did and, and i think all of us did mm-hmm. like it, it's or or more honestly as you will find in any yes. church that you <laughs> yes. end up being a part of yeah mm-hmm. pa- part part of kind of your spiritual journey will be and I think this is, we've talked about this in previous seasons too, the, the uh, one book, uh, Stages of Faith, where James Fowler talks about like you have an adolescent faith where your faith is completely dependent on like an institution, mm. right? Yeah. That, that is an adolescent faith. And he will say that most people, even when they've gone beyond adolescence biologically and chronologically, they've not gone beyond adolescence spiritually, mm. right? That they depend on the church for their spiritual nourishment, um, almost like they're receiving it, their faith secondhand. Yeah. Mm. And so this is, this, this is a challenge to like, yeah, there is, there is a journey with God that goes beyond, um, not apart from, but just beyond just church or just whatever you grew up with. Mm. And I think you have to, uh, if, there, if, you're, if you feel stuck or you feel hurt or, or traumatized, um, as you experience healing, it, it's going to go, um, there, there are, there are uh, spiritual journeys where you will experience healing that I think um, we want you to explore. Um, and um, uh, I, I mean, I know we're biased, but hey, if you're if you're around here, come come talk to us, and we'd love to have that conversation with you. I, I think an easy way to get started would be if you were raised Catholic, try to find ask someone for some like really good uh, Protestant um, faith formation authors. Hmm. And the reverse is true. If you were raised Protestant, yeah. ask a trusted Catholic friend about some 
authors who write about spiritual formation from a Catholic perspective. Mm. Yeah. You're going to, I'm just mm-hmm. telling your mind's going to be blown. I, I will say, yeah, I loved it just a few weeks ago. There was a, a woman at our church um, who uh, most of her life went to a, a, a black church and uh, she's been coming here for a while. And earlier, I think was it this summer or maybe last summer, we did a whole series on the return of the prodigal son based mm-hmm. on Henry mm-hmm. Nowen's book. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then I've quoted Nowen here and there. Um, I probably quote him second to C.S. Lewis, <laughs> but she, she came and said, you know what? Like, Oh, she was like, I'm reading. Um, I, I gave her a couple other books, uh, suggestions to read, yeah. right? Wounded healer. She loved that. And now she's reading, um, uh, something about the desert, uh, I, I, brain fart, but she, she came back and she's like, oh my goodness, Sung. Like, and this is not a person you would imagine reading like Catholic literature mm-hmm. from a priest, right? Mm-hmm. But she was Which like, Henry Nowen is a Catholic priest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. she was like, Henry Nowen is quickly becoming my favorite author. Yeah. And I'm like, he is so good. Yeah. Right. And, and again, I think there's a generous orthodoxy when you go beyond just. Uh, and this is this is one expression of going beyond adolescent faith mm-hmm. where you know adolescent faith would be like Catholics they're not Christians they're going to hell sure yeah. or, or Protestants like they <laughs> yeah. don't believe in, right you know in, in Mary, so. yeah like they, they're go- they're not but you can you can be defined in who you are have your convictions right this is this isn't like pluralism mm-hmm. you are defined in your convictions but you remain connected and, and there's a learning that happens. I mean, you know, for me, I, I know the Christians that I like talking to because, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll read Darwin and Nietzsche and, and all mm-hmm. these other folks that, are, that have been posed as like enemies of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, well, yeah. Like, um, whereas the, the church of my youth would have been like, what? No, yeah. you don't read that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think spiritually, this isn't just like, hey, spiritual buffet, grab whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Right. Pick and choose, right. make your own theology. Yeah. I, I think you have to have a foundation. You have to be grounded. And, and that's first and foremost, right? And then from that, from adolescence, you can grow into really learning and exploring other things mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, my final thought that came to mind um, is like, so I'm in, I'm in seminary right now. So learning about a lot of like historical kind of movements. And one that stood out to me is, um, you know, the, the Celtic way of evangelism and just that idea of like starting out by saying, Hey, first, before you even believe anything, you're welcome here. And then journeying alongside people as they find like deeper spirituality. And so I guess I would say if you are kind of feeling like adrift, um, the first step might be even though this sounds like contradictory, like the first step might be serving or join, you know, joining a Bible study or those things that maybe you've associated with religion, but it just looks like coming alongside other believers and just walking closer to those things that will lead you to God. Um, where it's like serving isn't the end goal. I think when we make that the end goal, it is religion, but serving in order to find God, uh, can, can be a path. Joining a community group in order to find God can be a path towards spiritual rest. Um, and so I guess that would be uh, just another thing that, that came to mind as I was listening. Yeah, that's good. So hopefully uh, you have found this episode um, at least uh, helpful in some way as you seek to find spiritual rest. 
And we're, we're not done with this season on no. rest yet, are we? I mean, those are the seven types of rest. We're okay. going to talk about rest at a broader level, okay. mm, Sabbath, and all sorts, all, all oh, sorts of other things. Good. Yeah, uh, we've mentioned it at multiple points, but also I think there's so much interconnectedness between these types of rest that I think there's yeah. still a lot to yeah. be explored. Yeah. Absolutely. So we will see you next time. 